Uh, I'm kind of bored. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, welcome once again to the Traffic Jam podcast, the weekly show where I interview the world's leading traffic experts so you learn how to build and grow a profitable audience for your website. I'm your host, James Reynolds, and you're listening in to a mini landmark episode. We're up to episode number 10 already of Traffic Jam, and I've got to say I'm chuffed to bits to get to this point. There's been so many people involved that have helped me put this together, such as my mastermind group, my wonderful team who do the illustrations and the transcription each week, Paul Thomas for supplying the intro tracks, the fantastic guests, and of course, you, the listener. So thank you for getting us to this point. We've got plenty more coming up over the coming weeks on Traffic Jam, starting with this week where we've got a fantastic guest to celebrate episode number 10. The Traffic Jam podcast with James Reynolds. So who is it joining us on today's episode? Well, our guest today is a New York Times best-selling author of books like The Impact Equation, Trust Agents, Social Media 101 and Google Plus for Business. He's a pretty well-known personality in the social media and business arena and he's had publications go into Success Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. But I've got to say most impressive of all, he's appeared on the Dr. Phil show and that's pretty cool. Trafficjamcast.com Okay, so hopefully those clues have given you an idea of who our guest is today. If it hasn't, I'll reveal it now. It's Chris Brogan from chrisbrogan.com and humanbusinessworks.com. And remember to stick around after the interview with Chris because I'll be sharing all of the very latest and greatest news from the past seven days in traffic, as well as the weekly one minute traffic tip. Now, without any further ado, let's dive straight into today's interview with Chris Brogan, where we're talking all about Google+. Okay, so this is Traffic Jam episode 10. And with me hanging out today is Chris Brogan from chrisbrogan.com, humanbusinessworks.com, writer for Entrepreneur Magazine, Success Magazine, author of the New York Times bestseller, Trust Agents, and the book Google Plus for Business, which I'm sure we'll touch on today. Chris, welcome to Traffic Jam. James, couldn't be any happier to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you've got your teeth in today because I clearly haven't. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm lucky that way, but uh, <laughs> it's early, so I don't want to jinx myself. So I'll say, no, I have no idea. Let's see how we do. Maybe let's, I won't break things. Let's see how we roll. Cool. Well, I've just reeled off a whole bunch of accolades for you, and you have done a fair bit in your time in business. But can you just share for our listener out there a little bit about who you are, what you've done, and what makes you tick? Sure. Well, I mean, the bios always are strange because they always make me sound way better than I think I am. But I'll say that. So what I've done is I started in in this phase of my business because in the old days I was in telecom. But when I started getting involved in this mess, um, it came from the events industry. I got a 
started a blog back in 1998, and then I started a podcast, and then I started an event called PodCamp with Christopher Penn about podcasting and new media type stuff. And at that event, I met this guy, Jeff Pulver, who had co-founded Vonage, who was now running a bunch of events about the future of voice video and the rest of the internet. And he hired me on the spot to run a, a event that he had started called Video on the Net, and then split me into another a thing as well, being a community developer for his or his new startup that he made up like a few days after he and I met called Network 2. So I, I, I got into this mess via the, that phase. Jeff and I parted ways about a year later um, as the event was a little too early in the disruption cycle and no one believed what we believed yet. And then I went on to work at another events organization where in the process of it, I started a consultancy as part of that company, uh, a marketing consultancy company called New Marketing Labs. All of this to say that I, I started right out of the gate when I, in regards to all of these organizations with working with mostly really large companies on how to use the digital channel a little better and how to be human on the web. So I'm not, I don't know a thing about how to get more traffic except for like very <laughs> organic, very friendly ways. I don't know a thing about SEO. Believe me, I rank for the stupidest things in the world. But hey, <laughs> Google just you know broke all of SEO anyway, so no one knows anything about SEO until a few months from now. So what I learned instead was I learned how to build relationships, how to do better marketing and sales and support type work via digital channels and that's what I've been helping companies with for a long time and then most recently I'm I'm teaching courses and things like that on how to master the digital channel no matter what size company you are even if it's just you know the company of your bedroom and of course recently you've put out a few books and in fact I think December 2011 it was when you published the Google Plus for Business book and I think if I'm writing saying at the time you were quoted by entrepreneur.com then they said you said Google Plus is the next big thing. Now I want to ask you the question 18 months on from then do you still see that as being a true statement? You know what I do but I have to put a little asterisk it's the strangest experience I've ever had so far in this in this uh, digital space, which is along comes a perfectly serviceable, very sensible to use platform, and everyone says, huh, I'm kind of bored. I don't think <laughs> I'll use it. And, and, you know, the stats are really strange because the stats, I mean, every time uh, Vic Gondrota goes on stage, he says bigger and bigger numbers, you know, more than 600 million people using it, blah, blah, blah. So more people than Twitter are using it according to him, after the very first year. And it took Twitter you know, many years to get to the number that they're at. They're saying that even if you skin that down to how many people are using it daily, it's about on par with Twitter. This is the number one search engine in the world's social platform, which means that it's very attentive to the social signals put out on this platform. It would strike me inside and out that this would be the place to be, and yet everyone yawns when I talk about it. So, <laughs> you know, no one's, no one's like, oh, I've got to rush to Google Plus and tell my friends. And the people who are there and who use it get great benefit from it. But there's a few things holding it back, and not to really nerd out and bore everybody listening to Traffic Jam, but, you know, one is that they just really haven't opened up their API, so there's not mm -hmm. many, if any, third-party apps that are of any value to the platform, and I think that's killing it. Now, Here's what I really think, though. I don't think it matters what kind of social network it is. I think what Google has done is they've built a social backplane to all of their other services and beyond now. And I think that, you know, there's going to be kind of a reveal moment, maybe in the next 12 months, that everyone will be like, who cares about the actual Google Plus, you know, location? It's gone mobile and it's, in, it's embedded everywhere. And I think that's mm -hmm. the, the play.
And we've seen that already, right? I mean, I am an SEO guy. So if you get kind of bored and pulled off the hook with the stuff that I talk about, that that's why. But we've already seen that infiltrate across into SEO, of course, where search now is very much socially based with the whole rel author status and all that sort of stuff. So you can already, I guess, see how they're infiltrating into everything else that they do. I think so. I, and, and I mean, knowing that you're an SEO, I mean, that's partly why I teased about the fact I have absolutely no skills <laughs> in it. Um, I rank for the stupidest things in the world. I, I rank for things like grow bigger ears and you're doing it wrong. <laughs> um, so I, you know, but I mean, as I pointed out, you know, Panda and Penguin have kind of screwed up SEO in a lot of ways, at least that which was classically mm -hmm. known to be the best practices are out the window. And one of the very true and relevant experiences, I mean, look, SEO Moz just renamed themselves Moz. I mean, if there's no better concept of, of you know, writing on the wall to say SEO alone is not going to be a good story to tell fairly shortly, and that content and marketing and all this other stuff has to be more integrated, I, I can't find it. To me, that's this one detail of SEO Moz renaming to that, the fact that Danny Sullivan uh, doesn't just have search engine watch, but he's doing a lot more with marketing watch now. Mm. You know, I think, I think the writing's there that if you're doing, you know, sort of digital technology to augment your marketing and sales, it's not that you should not do SEO anymore. It's that you really need to expand into the other spots. Yeah, absolutely. Well, something we teach a lot here is is not being single point sensitive on any traffic source. But that said, what we tend to do each week here on the show is invite on a guest who is particularly skilled in one particular area of traffic or indeed audience building. Now, your preferred channel that I would like you to talk about, Chris, is, of course, Google Plus. So what is it that you like so much about the platform? What I like the most about it is 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 very uh, simple and somewhat um, mercenary. Is that if I post something to public on Google Plus, it, it it impacts the Google search results rather quickly, and uh, especially if I publish some reasonably useful content and and point to that reasonably useful content, then people find it rather quickly and take an action to go check out that content. And then should that content also have the option of selling something, then it benefits me financially. I find that the interface is crisp and clean. I think that Hangouts, which Google has obviously recently started to realize is their secret gem as well, yeah. uh, is, is really important. I think that their community platform is way better than Facebook groups, for instance. It's just easier to organize. It's, there's a lot more things you can get done with it. I think that what it suffers from is it's stark. It looks like it was made by a bunch of engineers and not by somebody who cares about people. <laughs> and I think that it's got this, it, it, you know, considering how simplistic and simplified most Google platforms are, it just still feels clunky and bumpy. And it just doesn't, I, I look at the blogging platform Medium that showed up and I think that is just pure elegance. And I'm stunned that Google doesn't maybe start looking for something a little bit more elegant. Yeah, well, they seem to be trying to do stuff. I mean, I'd like to talk to you in a short while about some of the updates that they've made recently. One of those has been a complete facelift. But the next topic of conversation I want to have with you real briefly is actually about Facebook. Now, Facebook is something that I update most days. I'm on there, you know, pretty much once or twice a day. And apparently they're close to 100 million status updates every day. However, when I go to check your Facebook page, Chris, the last activity I see was July 2011. Now, for a social media kind of specialist, that's pretty lame in my book. How come you're not on Facebook? 
Oh, I am. I'm just not on the one that you checked. I don't use it for <laughs> business, though. I find that there's no uh, – I've had zero business benefit to Facebook. I yeah. mean, there's lots of people doing traffic. But I like to tell people, unless your product is a, you know, a cute you know, five-year-old granddaughter, then it's probably not going to get you that far because the number one thing people do when they go to Facebook is look at their family's pictures. And beyond that, they go there evidently to share some e-cards with each other is what I've come to notice. Um <laughs> and dumb graphics. So I have never once had any great business success with Facebook. Uh, Amy Porterfield would be a great guest for that or Mari Smith. But anytime I've ever tried even spending some dollars, what I like about their ad platform is that it's very targeted. I mean, it's mm -hmm. ridiculous. You could, you know, I want an 18 year old boy who's prone to picking his nose, uh, who for some reason continues to think that Leeds is a great football team. And I'll get that, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll be very clear, but, um, it, it doesn't seem to ever translate to off-site traffic, and I just think that there's a limited subset of businesses that can really benefit from using Facebook, and I think that just sort of the average monkey doesn't get much from it. Um, but it's also, I mean, to be really honest, James, it's it, there's a sort of garbage in, garbage out. So I yeah. guess if I were trying harder, if I felt somewhere in my heart of hearts that this was, you know, that it was me that was to blame, I would say utterly that, you know, I could, you know, try harder and make some better results out of it. So what's the one big thing with Google Plus that kind of wins it for you over Facebook? Is it kind of that element of Google Plus that, you know, allows you then to appear in Google search and kind of having that wider platform and audience? Is, is that what it is, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it, because of that impact on search, it's, it's, it's just so attractive to me that way. I think secondly, it, it's, it's very elegant. I think that the layout of it's really nice. I love the concepts that they have that if I'm right about the social black backplane thing it'll probably fade away a little bit but this concept of circles that says that i could be a little more exclusionary if i want to mm. which is a marketer i mean we almost never want to do that but i like that we can i think that the privacy methodology is a lot easier there i, I just think that there's a lot of good stuff going for it now this, the thing is it, it, again if you sort of squint and you don't look at it as a destination but you look at it as a tool that's going to be sprinkled into other tools i think that facebook has identity pretty much owned right now there's mm -hmm. sign in with facebook sign in with twitter you tend to push the sign in with facebook button over those two i don't know why but that's what we do and then we you know tweak it to make sure it's you know not sending out every little update to everyone if we're nice and then we just kind of forget about that like we just don't care on a lot of our sign-ins to other sites that we've used Facebook. So I think there's that going for it. What's going on with Google Plus or what will I think go on with Google Plus is sharing uh, of that simplicity will become the norm. Meaning that there'll be this sort of plus one architecture across all the platforms and we won't ever think about it anymore. Just like we don't think much about signing in with Facebook anymore. But that's that's a ways out. That's just sort of me uh, pontificating and futurizing. <laughs> cool. Well, of course, you are on Twitter and we know you're on Google+. We've just been discussing it. And of course, you have your blog, chrisbrogan.com. How does your content strategy differ for each platform? Oh, so I have a strategy that I started somewhere back in 2006 uh, called the home base and outpost strategy, which is essentially that your primary site should be your home base. And, and the real goal of your business endeavors is to get people there and that some form of conversion should take place there. And what I do with the social platforms is they're outposts. And the way my strategy works is that uh, it used to be I would use my outposts to try to sell things and then I realized that that doesn't work very well. So what I've done is there's there's a third element to this now that I call my media empire. 
So the home base is where I want anything to happen of any real worth. The media empire is great information that will guide people to the home base at some point to take an action of, of my need or not. Maybe they'll just read the content and move on. And then the outposts are places where I share access to that media and try to promote you know, people consuming that media. Because what I've come to realize is that no matter which platform you're on, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, any of them, we go in there with sort of a browse mode. We don't go in there with a, hey, I'm really looking to spend some money. I think I'll just check out and see what's on Twitter. But we do go with sort of, oh, this has raised my eyebrow a few degrees. I shall click. Then when we're in that place, then there's maybe an opportunity to be a little more persuasive and, and make mm -hmm. a, a, a request of some kind. Remember that sometimes when I say sell, I might just mean sell you on the next action, you know, sell you to sign up for my newsletter or whatever. But I'm, I'm trying to leverage your interest in the media that I've created to take a next action. And that's, that's how I use it. So that's how they work. When it comes to which platform for what, I, I tell people this all the time. Pick the platform that lets you tell the story that you want to tell the way you want to tell it. Don't worry about how many millions of people are here or there. Just make sure that you pick the platform where you can tell the best story. Got it. Cool. Okay. Well, I know you've been on Google Plus since the early days. I think you mentioned somewhere that you're joined Google Plus day two, I think, after the platform was launched. I'm sure you've seen your fair share of Google Plus profiles. What top three things do you think makes the difference between a good Google Plus profile and a great Google Plus profile? James, I'm really grateful for that question because I think that this is really where a lot of people's if they take one thing out of uh, Traffic Jam besides realizing that I don't know anything, it should be this this next piece of information. Um, when you swing by your profile page and you click on the about and, and make sure you take a look at what you look like. And by the way, it's stunning how few people do this one thing. Go look at their about. Um, the story part of it that's in there, you should make sure the tagline is really clear for what you do for other people. Uh, you should make the introduction what you do for other people. So for instance, my tagline right now today reads publisher and media company for the personal business revolution. Oh, what's that you wonder? Mm. Uh, introduction, I run human business work specializing in empowering the personal business revolution. We publish courses and other media to help you grow. I've built writing courses, business coaching experiences, and much more. For more on that, go here. Uh, it basically says these are the different ways I can work with you. I'm a speaker, I'm a this, I'm a whatever, you want to do this here, contact me. I've stuffed it with ways for you to get in touch with me. Not too many to overwhelm, but just like serving suggestions for what kind of business you might take a choice and, and do. The other thing people don't do very well is fill out their contact info mm. in such a way and expose enough of it that it's useful for someone to reach you. And then I guess finally, just to make it three like you asked, they go to the links section, which is where you can kind of point people to other things you do, and they stuff it full as if they're a general in some kind of army, and you need to know like 75 different elements. And I think that the best way to consider doing that is maybe make two or three links and call it a day. Got it. Okay. Well, I've noticed some errors of my own there, so I better go sort those out after this interview. Um, I want to ask you about kind of what's hot though with Google Plus. As we said at the top of the show, it has been, you know, making a lot of updates and changes. What do you do? You think are some of the best things to come out of it recently? Boy, you know, it's a little tricky to say. I mean, for one, they've they've sort of Pinterested their layout 
they've made their mm-hmm. layout look a little bit more like three or four columns or whatever in Pinterest. And I, I think that's useful to a lot of people. Uh, they've integrated local in a way that's very useful. I mean, it, it's so close. If, if small businesses were just a hair smarter about this, they could do a lot more with that. They've really married the concept of hashtags into their work, you know, which are these little pound symbols and then a word, which lets you dig deeper into people sharing information that they think might be useful. And I, and I think that that's a really neat feature because it's, it's a lot more organic to kind of fall down the rabbit hole of something that you find interesting. Um, and then I guess finally, I, I, the Hangouts is where they seem to be investing a lot of their time. They've caught on that there's uh, great value in this sort of, uh, I don't know, Skype light. And then what they've started calling, you know, Hangout Party uh, where it's like hangout on air, where it's multiple type of connections and things like that. There's all these new ways to that they've languaged this to say that this is we're really trying to make this a bit more of a communications hub as well. So even mm-hmm. though I think they're going to go after sharing, what might be also true, James, is that they might be going after being some sort of a communications platform center because of the fact that they've got hangouts, they've got uh, hangouts on air, which is like the one to many. They've got party, which is like a multi-person call and they've got Google voice. Don't forget. So, I mean, you could say that they're building a, you know, this little communication system and the fact that they're so dominant on the Android platform gets you that way too. Mm. Well, we should, probably should have done this interview in a hangout and both worn pirate hats and funny mustaches. <laughs> and if you've seen that, you know, that's funny. the weird part. Don't you think, James? Like here they are trying to say, you know, we're this really awesome thing. And then they yeah. put things like the, and the pirate hats are fun, except that you just sort of wonder, you know, is someone at some major bank or is someone at, you know, 10 Downing Street going to like click on a pirate hat and go, no, this is a service <laughs> we should be using. <laughs> Who knows? Well, before we close out, Chris, I've got to talk about audience building because that's the kind of focus of this show, Traffic Jam. What strategies can you recommend to the person listening to this podcast that they can go out and use today to build their Google Plus audience? So I guess first and foremost, it's so funny, I started down a whole other answer. <laughs> first and foremost, the uh, one thing you could do is I see a lot of people just dumping things that they find on the internet in there, like a clipping service. And it's if you start curating a little bit more and thinking of yourself as, as curating information that's useful to the buyer that you're hoping to attract, you'll do a much better job of attracting that sort of buyer. If you just share any old thing that you think is vaguely interesting, people aren't going to know what to get. So that's my first piece of advice. My second is start a real strategy. I mean, start thinking... I'm presuming I have a 24-7 audience. Maybe I should try to put four pieces of content out, maybe one every six hours, roughly. Let's not be crazy. Maybe of those four pieces of content, one of them leads back to something of mine for my own value in my sales. Because otherwise, I mean, another place that people go wrong is that in trying to build traffic, they try to sell all day. That's like buying a magazine and finding that it's stuffed with only ads. And so that's not such a great plan. Uh, You know, uh, some of my friends in other spaces find that they can sort of put a few more ads per offer, but I just don't think it works that well in Google+. Third, and maybe finally, is continue encouraging people to come to a platform that you have the app, the uh, ownership of. Uh, and this is always this one that I think people you know, do a little strange, but, you know, for instance, you've got this very, uh, at trafficjamcast.com, you've got this very great easy, simple email sign up at the top. You've got the, you know, get more traffic. I mean, come send me a voicemail. You've got all these ways to really carry on the conversation that don't exist on a platform like Google+. So moving the ball from Google+, to you 
is a great way for them to take those actions as well. Got it. Good. Well, at this point, I want you, the listener, to go add Chris to your circles by going to chrisbrogan.com forward slash plus to, to see exactly what Chris is doing with Google Plus. But Chris, if you were to recommend our listener to go peep over the shoulders of other people or brands doing really good stuff with Google Plus, who would that be? There's a few that I really like. And um, I would say, first off, the Corcoran Group, they're a... Uh, they're a um, real estate company. And so like of all the strange people to pick, uh, this real estate company really excites me because what they're doing is they're just showing lots of interesting things happening in New York City and they happen to sell real estate there, high-end real estate. Um, Mike Elgin, E-L-G-A-N. Mike is doing really amazing, good stuff in there and he's 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 produces quite a volume of information but it's, it's really hitting hard at... Uh, you know, the kinds of people he's going for. And I guess if you want to pick off a third one, uh, Marsha Collier, M-A-R-S-H-A Collier, C-O-L-L-I-E-R. She's been quite interesting. Uh, you know, she does all kinds of interesting technology stuff. She's an eBay professional uh, and has taught tons of people how to get a lot out of eBay. And by the way, just as a last interesting note about her, uh, she made social media history recently because her uh, boyfriend proposed to her on Vine the newest little video app uh -huh. and so she's the first proposal on mine well let's see if we can get a link off to all of those in the show notes as well as that proposal i think that'd be nice viewing for traffic jam listeners so chris thank you for your time where can our listeners best find you it's probably easiest right at chrisbrogan.com every all roads lead to rome so you can find me from there and i guess the book google plus for business it's out there on amazon right Yes, Google Plus for Business is out there. You can find it on Amazon and uh, any of your local stores. There's a real good opportunity that there's a second edition is what you'd want to look for. There's a first edition, and then they were kind enough or mean enough to make me write a second one. <laughs> and so uh, make sure you grab that one. Awesome. Chris, thanks for your time. Awesome. Thank you. This week's news in traffic. Well, Google this week launched its new Content Experiments API, a tool that allows developers to easily test variations of their content to see which performs best. The new API is deeply integrated with Google Analytics, so developers can use all of Analytics' power to measure their different optimizations. Now, in comment, Google says this API makes Google Analytics a full-blown A versus B testing platform where developers of all types can leverage the power of Google Analytics to run their experiments. Now, A versus B split testing is not a new thing. There are many services out there such as Visual Website Optimizer and Optimizely. However, this API is the first that allows developers to create their own variation logic and use Google Analytics to measure their winners. Yahoo this week tweaked its search result page to actually make it more Google-like. The design refresh gives better emphasis to top search results and that clears up some visual clutter in the navigation bar and additional settings sidebar. Now Yahoo also says there are some important improvements on the back end that could result in faster load times and notes that the new navigation bar will spread to other Yahoo properties soon. 
Now, the company is also saying that this is just the beginning, and this seems to indicate the further changes for search results will be coming out over the next few years. Now, whether any of these changes will allow them to claw back market share from the dominant Google, well, that remains to be seen. The well-known website SEO Moz this week transformed itself into a new brand, moving its products, company name and all of its efforts from SEO Moz to the new name Moz. Now, in a statement, Moz said, calling ourselves SEO Moz is no longer transparent and authentic, citing the fact that they teach much more than just search engine optimization. Now, in addition to the name change, the site has also gotten a facelift and well worth checking out. Now, personally, I don't really care. SEO Moz or Moz, I'll continue to be a fan. They are one of the few sites that really do teach good quality SEO practice. Well, other than my own site, SEOSherpa.com, of course. So as we've reached episode number 10 of Traffic Jam, I'd love to get your feedback on the show so far. What should I start doing on the show? What should I stop doing on the show? What aspects of traffic would you like to know more about? Also, who would you like me to interview on future episodes? These are all questions that I'd love to get your response on. So please head on over to trafficjamcast.com, leave me a comment, leave me a voicemail or sign into iTunes and leave the show a review. The comments I get from you will really help me plan the next episodes and make this an even better show. The one minute traffic tip. Well, I've got a little SEO tip for you this week and it's a real simple one. Give some thought to your metadata. That's it. Simply that. Give some thought to your metadata. Well, I guess we should first cover what the heck is metadata. Well, it's the page title and description of your website that shows up in the search results when your website is listed. Now, too few people give any thought to these few lines of text, yet it can be the difference between your result getting clicked on and your competitors. So, make your metadata compelling like a well-written display advert. Include your USP, include a call to action and tie your Google Plus profile to your website so that your picture also shows up in the results next to your listing. Do this and your result will literally jump out of the page and with it your traffic will jump too. That rounds up episode number 10 of Traffic Jam. I'll be back again next week with an episode devoted to YouTube traffic. If you've enjoyed this episode, log into iTunes and leave me a review. And you may just find yourself featuring on next week's show. We end today's episode with a bit of a sing-along tune. It's the standout track from Mark Ronson's 2007 album, Version. Here we have it, Mark Ronson featuring Amy Winehouse, Valerie. Well,
across the border Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.